Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm LaChalice, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, promise can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, just thank you for giving us a prophecy so we know what's coming up, and just even for not giving us a prophecy, but giving us light inside the darkness so that we can see where we're going. Name of Jesus, amen. 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 And welcome back. We're glad to be with you all and to discuss and learn more about our Lord and our Savior with each of you. Dean, welcome back. Again, we're blessed to have you with us and for the insights the Lord gives you that we get to hear and, and share and discuss together. We're grateful to the Lord for you. Thank you. So we are continuing our study in Daniel. We are going to begin in chapter 10. So could I get a volunteer to read verses 1 through 9, please? I will. All right, Kyla, go for it. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, no wine came to my, into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of upaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, and his clothes like torches of fire. His eyes. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished yes. bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel alone, saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. All right, so I'm going to open it up to each of you to share what the Holy Spirit is or is ministering to you. And to ask any questions. Who wants to begin? You can go. All right, Layla. Layla. Oh. Well, I just like to see Daniel's response and how when the Lord had come to him and how he wasn't afraid of him. I put it like that. Like the other men that were with him fled to hide themselves. And just the contrast between... Um, Daniel and Adam, when the Lord came to Adam and he knew he was sinning, Adam and Eve hid themselves. And he's and the Lord's like, Adam, where are you? And he said, well, I heard you walking in the garden. I 
um, hid myself because I was unclothed. And we see Daniel here when the Lord comes to him because he's not sinning. There was no reason for him to hide and try to um, cover up, if you will, because there was nothing that shouldn't have been there that there was. He made sure that he was walking in the Lord's command. And so I just find it interesting but in in contrast with those two characters and it just caused me to kind of take a step back and think well who am I more like am I like Adam when I hear the Lord coming to me and I'm trying to hide myself or am I like Daniel and I'm there I'm not afraid of him because there's no um sin in me we see in scripture that the darkness is afraid of light only people that are sinning are the ones that hide those were the ones that hid when Jesus was in the earth and didn't want to come to him but those that were living for him and who loved him, they were fighting each other, essentially, to get and touch him and be close to him because that's what they wanted and that's what they desired. So a question I would pose to our listeners and to everybody gathered here is, which one are you more like? Are you like Daniel or do you find yourself acting like Adam? Can you stand before him without quaking in your knees or do you have to go hide under a blanket? <laughs> That's an interesting way to phrase that. Yes, and so just just for the sake of clarity, um, this is another angel that came to to deliver God's message to Daniel, and um, in Genesis that was clearly God, Father walking in the garden. So um, either way, when we receive word from the Lord, we shouldn't fear God in the way of being terrorized by him. Now, flesh being frail in the presence of um, the things of God is, is, I don't think that's a negative on the person per se, but the desire to hide and run away from the Lord, that, that does speak to um, how they may be feeling on the inside. And, and when referring to Adam, he only ran away after he sinned. <coughs> Before then, he had been walking with the father in the cool of the day, learning and Absolutely. naming the animals and going about functioning in the business that God had designed him to um, fulfill. So that's an important note. It's the, the sin that made Adam hide. run away from God and hide from him. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? I'll go. All right, I promise. Kind of like how Daniel's response when the vision was revealed to him that he didn't go, oh, well, it's not me. I'm walking inside the Lord, so I can forget about everybody else. But he prayed for the other people that they should turn away from their wicked ways so that they don't get decimated or demolished. Don't get decimated. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Promise. Well, explain, explain more what you mean by that, sir. That when the vision was revealed to him, that he didn't go, like the 70 weeks prophecy, he didn't go, well, sucks to be them. Continue. Don't say sucks, Danny. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Explain, sir. But what? Because some time has passed. 
Mm-hmm. We're now so we're in a whole other kingdom with another king. Mm-hmm. Still the same location, but another um, governing body has risen up to Cyrus is a Persian, where Darius before was a Mede, and Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar were Babylonians. That's right, Chaldeans. So, so explain, explain what, what you're hearing from the Lord, sir, because, like I said, some time has passed. So this is not immediately after. There's, there's been a, a gap in time before what we're reading about now is, has begun happening, right? This is a whole new vision. It's not one right after the other, even though as we read this, mm-hmm. it appears that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So th- there was time, mm-hmm. time for Daniel to understand what the Lord's saying. But then what do we also see in this? Daniel has continued to seek the Lord for understanding, to know him. And we also see in here, the Lord is revealing more of himself to Daniel. Mm -hmm. I didn't say what reason he had to fast. Um. He just said, in those days he was fasting. Why? So I guess we can discuss that. What is the purpose of fasting? To buffet the flesh. Okay. That's a good answer. Why? Why would one's flesh need to be buffeted? So that you're not walking in the flesh when the Lord asks you to go do something? So you can do it in its fullness and entirety? That's part of it. Also, so we can more clearly hear the Lord and what he is speaking to us. More clearly hear him and understand what he's saying, yes, so that we can then go do it, right? Yes. Or, like in this case, maybe it's just so we can more clearly understand what the Lord is saying to us. Mm-hmm. Right, because... Daniel doesn't necessarily have to do anything in this except understand what the Lord's revealing to him. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Same with the end of chapter 9. He didn't necessarily have to do anything. He was doing it. He was interceding for himself and for the people, right? But he had set out to do that first, and then the Lord was teaching him. So again, we just see that This is what Daniel had decided to do in his own life. He wanted to be able to clearly hear the Lord and have nothing in the way, nothing that separated him from from the Lord or that impacted the ability to clearly hear what the Lord was speaking or ministering or showing him. And we can see that outlined in multiple places, right? How we are to, yes, buffet our flesh, submit it, get it under control. And then also the why. When we can clearly hear what the Lord is saying or speaking, 
and or instructing us to say and do, what is the end result? And in Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61, we see that result. We see it defined, what the result is. People are freed from bondage and captivity. Right? Bonds are loosened, they're broken. Sight returns to the blind. In other words, in the, I'll say in the paraphrase, a short version, everyone has their needs ministered to. The Lord used Isaiah 61 to define his ministry in Luke 4. And if you really study out the Gospels and, and Christ's ministry, isn't exactly what you find, those things occur. Why? Because Christ walked and lived out his life in such a manner that he described it himself. He said, the rule of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. His flesh was so submitted to the will of the Lord, to the will of his Father, his Heavenly Father, that he could always clearly hear what the Lord was saying, regardless of the situation or circumstance he found himself in. And as such is our pattern and example for how we should conduct ourselves. And in this, yes, Daniel came before Christ, but we see the similarity, do we not? Physically. Physically. Keeping his flesh, in, I'll say restraining his flesh, buffeting his flesh, and keeping in, in control. And we see it in the New Testament with Paul, where he talks about the same thing. I buffet the flesh. Why? He brings it into submission so that he can accurately, with, with purpose and tact, do what the Lord has, is asking him to do. Well, we have that sowing and reaping part of that as well, too. If you sow to the flesh, you reap to the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you reap from the spirit. So it's a component of that as well, too. So... That's why Daniel has had the, for lack of what better was it, spiritual experiences that he's had is because he does spend time sowing in the spirit mm -hmm. as opposed to sowing to the flesh. Mm -hmm. And you can see by his customs that he started early on, he didn't make provisions for his flesh. He wasn't, um, he wasn't trying to find ways to gratify his flesh. Like, I'm just going to feed it a little bit, but then I'll, I'll, you know, do a little bit more spiritual than than that, he was making a purpose to keep his flesh subdued, which, you know, like what you were saying, Dean. So, amen. Amen to that. Also, just wanted to point out about the imagery that's here. There's two kind of components of that. And the first off is that this was common to communicate in this style. Um, if we look back in even Song of Solomon, we see some wonderful imagery, you know. I mean... In, in today's world, we'd never say, gosh, your teeth look like a, a flock of goats that just got washed, you know, or your hair looks like the mountain goats coming down the mountain as a herd. I mean, you would never, you would never say those things, but this was how things were described, and it was very common. And then the other is, is that where this style of communication was common, what happens in the supernatural typically isn't common, and it's difficult to find words in the natural to explain what happens to us in the supernatural. So just don't get hung up in the imagery here. <laughs> no, that's Amen. a great point. Because we all, 
especially when the Lord reveals those things to us. It's hard to describe and put into words. And, and we talked about that, I think, last week where you know, we even talked about in Revelation, you know, the disciple, later apostle John, is shown all these amazing things. And even uh, Paul. Paul does the same thing. He says, this is what I saw. And he does his best to articulate that in a way that common to the day and, and even today, but at that time where they lived, the time period in which they lived in, and then us today, we can begin to get a glimpse, if you will, of what they actually saw, even though I'm sure words pale in comparison. And they were just, I'll say all but grasping at, like, the way to describe it in such a way that, you know, still gives it reverence, but also helps us understand what or or how incredible what they saw was. So, yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. What's that, Yes. Uh, well, I want to make one one comment first. Um, just because something we brought up last week, and you see the same thing. We 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 said last week. How I believe it was last week that we we do discuss some some hard things here. And again, in verse nine, you see that while this vision and dream is happening, that Daniel again, finds himself in deep sleep on his face, right? So we could articulate that to going down in the spirit again, right? That this happens again. It's not just a one-time thing. (laughs) Because I also find interesting that what's being described here? The Lord. He's seeing a vision of the Lord. And you can look at that uh, in Revelation as well, Revelation chapter 1 with John. You can look at it. In Isaiah and, and or excuse me, Ezekiel, chapter one, from verse twenty-six on, right? There's there's the same concept here, right? Like the the Lord arrives, or the Spirit of the Lord arrives, and is, is very present, and people can't help but stand, or can't help to stand. They cannot stand, excuse me, in His presence, and they all find themselves going down if you will, like dead man. Or, and, and, but they still see these amazing things as the, the Lord or the Spirit of the Lord is moving and ministering to them and, and still is speaking with them and giving them insight. How can you be dead and still receive except by the Lord, right? So, again, we were talking about the imagery and the, how it's articulated. We should be able to, to comprehend, to understand, if you will, the greater thing that is being described, right? So, and and it's essentially that these people went down in the spirit, and the Lord continued to minister to them. Any questions or any? Well, all right. So, and no one else has any comments on that. Let's continue to. Through verse 21, please. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. I have now been sent to you. 
While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him, who stood before me, My Lord, because of the visions, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor in any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened, and I said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you that it tell you what is noted in this, the scripture of truth, of truth. Excuse me. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Okay. Does anybody have anything that the Holy Spirit's leading them to share, or any questions on this? Who is he referring to by the prince of Persia? Yeah. <laughs> that is a, a great question. Um, there are natural and spiritual things here, right? Yes. At play. Because we have Cyrus being the king of Persia, who was mentioned at the beginning of the chapter, yes? <coughs> But this is a spiritual, supernatural being that is talking with Daniel. How is man able to, I'll say, contend or stand against the Lord and the Lord's servants, his angels? They are not. It is impossible. So, what is actually being discussed here is a spiritual battle. Right? We are spirit, soul, and body, right? Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. And with that, we can choose to come into alignment with the Lord, His plans, His purpose, or we can resist Him, which is then choosing to come in alignment with Satan. The adversary, the evil one. Yes. All right. Jesus makes that pretty plain. He said, if you, um, well, actually, when talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he says he tells them who their father is. Your father is the devil. 
Why? Because they were resisting the Lord and the things of the Lord in their life. We all have that same choice to make. He just states it very plainly. We should learn and understand from that. Right? Uh, what does Jesus also say to Peter, one of his disciples? Get behind me, Satan. He tells him to get behind me, Satan. Why? Because in that moment, Peter became an adversary to him. He did not understand the, the will and the plan of the Lord and was speaking out of his flesh. But there is a spiritual excuse me, nature and aspect behind that that we must be aware of. In either case, they set themselves against the Lord. And in this case, in Daniel, yes, it's talking about a man, but it's also talking about the spiritual aspect behind it that it was resisting the Lord and trying to prevent or delay the message. Do you understand that? Uh, so, if I understand correctly, the prince, even the, even the prince of Persia, or is referring to uh, spiritual beings. And when he called Michael a prince, the prince Michael, the I believe you're referring to the archangel mm-hmm. Michael. So he's just using prince as a term to. De- them being not human. I think he's also talking about that they are proceeding, presiding over the things that are going on for the benefit of the children of Israel. So Michael was watching over the things concerning and had some governmental, spiritual governmental authority and watching over what was happening for the children of Israel. Likewise, um, the prince of Persia, which clearly by his description is a demonic spirit, is presiding and, and ruling and bringing about things in Persia. So trying to keep, um, like, for example, um, when wickedness is stirring up, um, governmental behaviors are decreeing things that are contrary to the will and the word of God, or people are engaging in um, activities that are contrary to the word of God. Um, when God talks about we wrestle not against flesh, flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and rulers of and the Principalities, earth. powers, rulers, rulers in wicked places, right? And heavenly places. So there is a, there is a kingdom that is not seen, and we've been, we've been talking about that, the spiritual realm. There are things that are happening that are seen, but there's also another realm that is unseen and how they exchange with one another. And it's not like if I took a cup of water and handed it to you, where you can see that trade-off, but there is a spiritual direction coming back and forth. And um, when Adam relinquished his authority to Satan, right, that allowed these kingdoms to have access to the world around us, which is um, the sin nature coming in and, and these things having different powers to do things in the atmosphere, the environment, if you will. Um, and it does influence people's actions and behaviors that aren't submitted to the Lord. Do you have something you want to say, Dean? Well, well I think it's Im- important to remember, and we, we talked about it recently, about um, confusion. Mm-hmm. And who is the author of confusion? Mm-hmm. 
And so that's the enemy. That's the evil one. That's Satan. We can continue to express that. So our Father, God Almighty, mm-hmm. uh, through Christ, is, a, is not a God of confusion. He does not. He does not bring confusion to us. God is a God of order, and there is a time and there is an order for everything. I believe, and y'all can help me probably dig dig it out deeper. But that um, Satan, um, of course, number one, we know he has never created anything. Nope. So the order that Satan uses, the hierarchy that Satan uses, is just a copy of what God does. Remember, he is he's he was a a very bright and shining angel, right? So he, he creates these things for us to make us think. They're these false gods. He, his image, the brightness and all, is attractive to some. And so I think he copies everything. And so the order of his kingdom mimics the order of God's kingdom. doesn't have the same power, doesn't have the same authority, but it's, the order is there. So there's always going to be an order and a structure to the hierarchy of what, what happens to us and whether we're... You know, I, I I think it's foolish to think that any of us are being directly oppressed by Satan himself because he's, he's not, not omnipresent. That's right. Right. He can only exist at one time. It looks like most of the time he's hanging around our God trying to accuse the saints. But he has <laughs> right. he has his people, his right. beings that are under his authority, that have others under their authority and so forth and so on. And this is what this represents here. Mm-hmm. So we don't look at it as something that confuses us. Mm-hmm. by what's going on in supernatural we look at it as identifying the order that exists in it mm-hmm. and even the evil one is subject to order and certainly the orders of god almighty and the laws and mm-hmm. authority and everything that god has allowed or amen and so like when we look we looked at in daniel remember we're talking in the language of the day um so princes is another word for governors exactly. or right and we talked about so calling them the governors of the spiritual realm over this particular kingdom. This is what they're doing. And um, in thinking about that, remember that today we have the name of Jesus. So we can say, I bind you up, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Whereas in this time, the revelation and the appropriation of the blood of Jesus hadn't come forward just yet in the way of him dying on the cross and the, the human being able to take that authority in Jesus's name to cast out demonic activity and influence and um, hindering of the prayers of God. So that authority you're talking about now in the name of Jesus, we have the right to dispel those things, to cancel those wicked assignments and to release the ministering spirits on our behalf to come and bring these messages. So um, I love what you said there, Dean. And also adding to it just to understand how this is going on, but how do we interact and engage with it today? It would be unwise of us to to neglect and be unaware of the spiritual um, realm and how it's the authorities that are set up and the governings and um, et cetera, which is why in the New Testament, it's really highlighted for us that, no, if you feel like there's resistance against you, don't look at the person look at the spiritual, look at what's really happening in the, the spiritual realm, and then take your fight there. Put on the, put on the whole armor of God, right? Absolutely. Yes. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, your feet covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, which quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, where we go, okay, I understand what's happening. This is just the prince of Persia. This is just some wicked spirit 
and I'm going to take up the whole armor of God. It should be on us continually anyway. We shouldn't take it off. And I'm going to now use those weapons to bring peace to the environment that I'm in and to the, what God, the territory God has given me to, um, to occupy and enforce the blessing and the power of God. Did you, have, you want to read that? No, no, that's exactly what you're saying. It's Ephesians 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Just, that's the exact. Mm-hmm. And the, the hierarchy that you were talking about, Dean, how there's, you know, somebody's here and there, and, and nothing that the enemy has is original. It's a counterfeit and a twisting of what the real, what God has already done. So, of course, it's not as effective. But it confuses the human into, and tricks them out of, and, or tricks them into relegating their power and authority that we have just by being mankind so that now they yield their members and the enemy's taking advantage of them and carrying them off into different things, et cetera, et cetera. But when we as believers take our place, we have authority through Jesus Christ because he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So, and he has the keys of hell and death. So understanding that part with it as well. But I like being able to see kind of behind the scenes, you know, Daniel, this is probably as he's gotten used to it in his time, even still the widespread knowledge of this is what's going on. All this time you're thinking, oh, it's just here's Greece coming against you. Here's, you know, another kingdom coming to try to take over. But understanding that there's more to what's happening than meets the natural eye. I just wanted to add one more thing that you, as you brought in Ephesians six there. So um, let's not forget that the other weapon there is prayers. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody recently expressed talking about how um, we have offensive and defensive weapons there. And of course the sword um, only reaches as far as we can reach. So, so many of the weapons there are for our immediate protection or our immediate defense mm-hmm. right in our proximity of our physical being, but our prayers reach beyond that. They reach, the entirety of the earth, the entirety of heaven, the entirety of all those kingdoms and penetrate all of those. So the prayer is so important, so, so important in our defense and our understanding of the weapons that we have available to us. Amen. Amen. And you remember the centurion that came to Jesus. He said, what? Speak the word only. I understand authority. I myself am under authority and I have those in authority and um, that are in, uh, in authority me. under yes. me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and I say to this one, come, and he comes. And he looked at the Lord and said, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. So understanding the power of what comes out of our mouth, right? That's why we say, say what God has already said. Don't speak contrary to what he said to you. Don't, don't say anything different because anything other than what God has said is from the wicked one, correct? Yes. Okay, so speak the word only, and you can stand and declare boldly, in your time of prayer, but you can deco- declare boldly, you're sitting on the couch, you're headed to get some popcorn, you're, you know, going about your daily life. Anytime you see something that is, I'll say see, by the Holy Spirit making known to you what's happening, and it's outside of what God has already declared, speak the word over it. You have that authority in Jesus' name. 
And, you know, like you were saying, Dean, yes, you can come into your prayer closet and we should be praying continually throughout the day and communing with the Holy Spirit constantly. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go, you know, limit yourself to going into a closet. Now, spend time in there praying. But as you're going through your day, we are constantly using the word of God and wielding that sword, the word of God in our mouth, in faith, accurately appointed by what the Holy Spirit is directing. That's the weapon of our, you know, that's how we're supposed to use that particular weapon. So I love that, Dean. Thank you for bringing that up. Go ahead, sir. Um, I was really going to talk about what Kyla brought up, that, and you just kind of already discussed it. Well, that's all right. You can repeat it, sir. It's a safeguard for everybody. One thing, oh, besides that, one thing I found interesting was verse 9 and verse uh, 18. Okay. Wait, verse 8. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. I just found it interesting because it it goes to, uh, I think it was Romans, when Paul was talking about inside of our weakness, we are made strong. You can see here, it just further proves that we don't have to rest upon our own strength in order to accomplish what the Lord has for us to do because he obviously knows that it's not going to accomplish anything. Right. You know, we were talking about the weapons of our warfare not being carnal. So, you know, there are times for natural battles that have to take place, but God doesn't want me running out with an, a natural short sword or a BB gun attacking my neighbor if I see, you know, something is happening that is outside of God's best or, you know, like contrary to me that's hurtful or harmful to me. He doesn't want me to physically attack you. But I can't come in inside and go, okay, God. Now, here's this, you know, whatever is causing this strife, I bind it up in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, I release, you know, peace into this family or these people's lives so that they are not in turmoil, God. And whatever's missing or lacking, take care of that for them and let the Holy Spirit guide my prayers and my requests. But when it comes to dealing with demons and demonic activity, we have the right to bind that in the name of Jesus and command that it leave in Jesus' name. Stop. Um, like when, for example, Jesus on the boat and the wind suddenly became boisterous. He didn't go into a prayer at that time. He rebuked it. Right? He said, peace be yes. still. And, of course, he didn't say Jesus' name because he is Jesus. But we, because our own name is not sufficient, have to be first in relationship with the Lord, but also rightly apply the authority that he's given us in and through his name. It's good, sir. But also, let's look at this. And again, we'll notice a pattern here. We were just talking last time about how the Lord didn't condemn or send one of his angels to condemn Daniel for not understanding, right? Because even in this, Daniel states multiple times how he was weak and he fell down, right? Yes. Fell like a dead man. And then he even acknowledges it later on in the chapter and say states that... um. Uh, where is it? Uh, verses 15 on, right? He states it again. And what happens? And he said, oh, yeah, you, you fell down because you're weak or because there's sin, right, being condemned? 
No. But what happened? He touched him and strengthened him and told him to be strong. And then what? Again, reminded him that he was beloved. Right? Yes. Okay. So we see the pattern of the Lord. He, re he repeats these things to us, reminding us of how he sees us. Right? Not how we see ourselves. Uh, same thing with Isaiah, right? Isaiah was there in the presence of the Lord and was said something similar. How can I speak? I'm a man of unclean lips. And what was the, the answer or the response? I touched your lips with this burning coal. Mm -hmm. You're clean. You're purified. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. yes. The Lord purified him. Isaiah didn't purify himself. And you see the same thing here. The Lord, through one of his ministering spirits, his angels, came and helped encourage him, build him up, and helped him to understand with greater depth the thing that the Lord was wanted him to know, to understand. Because Daniel had sought the Lord and sought to understand his ways, his thoughts, right? Yes. You see that same thing played out here again. There was no condemnation. Yes, you're weak. Your flesh isn't, right? You're, you're unable to, to contain the, the glory and the magnitude of the Lord, right? Yes. Yes, we, the Lord understands that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't condemn us for it, but he encourages us and builds us up. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to pull some thoughts together. I mean, we look at Romans, you know, I beseech you, brothers, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, and then then you will know what God's perfect will is, right? Mm -hmm. so, exactly. Yeah, so then we're looking at what's what's going on here. We've got to go back up into verse 2 of this chapter, and we see what was happening, That what was the precursor of all this going on, and then to kind of have fun with words. Right. So as Daniel is sowing to the Spirit, we'll call it, mm -hmm. the natural outcome of that is to be led into the supernatural, right? And that's where he experienced that. So there was no, oh, you fell down right on your face, right? I mean, because he did say, I fell on my face, face down, and I was face to the ground. I mean, it's like the, it wasn't like, I lay prostrate before the Lord or lay prostrate. It wasn't like he got down and did it. It was the, the inference is it, it just, it was an event that happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this is, a, this is a natural mm -hmm. um, understanding of the things that should be happening in the supernatural. If we're sowing into the spirit in the way that we should be doing mm -hmm. so, and then the natural to happen in that supernatural moment was to be strengthened so yet, so even in that, this week, so he was, he was mourning, right? So he was in a bad place because all that was going on already anyway. So God encouraged him. He strengthened him. He restored him. He did all these wonderful things that happened, but they only happened because, like I said, starting back with Romans 12, which didn't exist then, but just thinking of it in that capacity, right? Here's Daniel offering himself as a living sacrifice, expressing the understanding of how he's viewing things in light of who God is and what's going on with God's people and what's going on with sin and all these other things. And he takes action himself that he can take, mm -hmm. right? It's like the, the, 
it, uh, it's it's a it's not a, a scripture saying, but you know, it's if if you want to change the world, start with yourself, right? You say you can't change the world, but you can because you can change yourself. You're in the world, ergo you've changed the world. And here's Daniel; he's not posting on Instagram. You know, the king ought to be slain, right? He's not posting that, you know, if, if, if all these other people would start doing this, God's kingdom would be coming in. He is moving in a place where he's expressing his dissatisfaction in a way that's consistent with sowing into the spirit so that he experiences the thing so that he can know what God is doing. And then God in his grace comes to him and honors that. Not, not, not we, don't, we don't get hung up in works there, but it, there is, we talk about, there is an order to things. And so this is a normal progression of how things should take place in our own lives. And, and when they're not, I'm asking myself the question as I'm saying this, then, then why should I be surprised? I'm not ex- seeing these things because I'm not doing the things necessary to experience them. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing that, brother. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I love how we can, when we begin to, to seek the Lord and understand what he's sharing us about him, his nature, his character, how he is, his thoughts, his ways. And he begins to, to reveal those things to us. Now we can understand scripture deep, more deeply and what he's been saying. And the message is consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we see that. And we were, you were just bringing that up here. Oh, this is the bigger, I'll say, or overarching and overarching, uh, you can call it a, a theory, a concept, whatever way you want to phrase it. But you see how it lines up with Scripture and in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's just so much more to this than Absolutely. what we could bring here because um, it's difficult for people listening in to really understand um, what's going on in any individual's life. But tying that thought back together with Romans 12 is actually an outpouring of being obedient to the fellowshipping together, which, um, which was something that we had done um, in a previous day and ministering to someone else where, John, where you were sharing that scripture. So that scripture was fresh on my mind today from just having heard it yesterday in, in a completely different um, way, which was just to come together as the saints coming together to worship God. And then finding a need that somebody needs to be ministered to. And then in that ministering, a sharing that now turns into a blessing that comes back into an understanding of the scripture today in a way that I never would have had had I forsaken the fellowshipping together with the brothers and sisters. You know, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, right? So it's, it's you know, again, it's, it's a normal expression of those things if we're doing the things that God wants us to do in those. And just so much more to it. And so we shouldn't be surprised. We don't get, we don't want, the, the, the keys, as it were, are there, and they're really not that difficult to uncover. They're not. No, it, no, it's not. That's absolutely right. And obedience to what God said is so much different than works. So much amen. different. Amen. 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 And all God's children said, amen. <laughs> amen. Right? It's a, it can, it's, one is a counterfeit to the other. The truth is, the real thing is obedience. God asked us for obedience. Um, he said obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, he was talking about, you know, people having an idea that they wanted to do something good for him and take something which he said was to be destroyed, but bring it back so they can offer it to him as a sacrifice to satisfy their own flesh and their own will to put themselves in the place of God. But God said, I didn't want that. 
I asked you to be obedient. So don't bring your works thinking it's a substitute for obedience to what God has already said. Well, he repeats that message as well. That's in Isaiah, right? <laughs> um, uh, it was Isaiah 1. Uh, I'll, I'll read 11. I'll start in verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. And then there's the key. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. It's obedience. Because he that knows what's right to do and does not do it, it is sin. And disobedience is a breaking of faith mm-hmm. and is sin. Mm-hmm. And obedience is faith in action. Mm-hmm. Just to state it plainly. Mm-hmm. Amen. And it's, he says that in multiple places as well. But it's just uh, the message is always the same. I require obedience. Or, right, and Jesus says it multiple times as well, or at least once. Have you not, if you do not understand, or how do you not understand, I believe is how it's phrased, I'm going to paraphrase it, what was meant by obedience is better than sacrifice. This is something that he talks about constantly, and by he I mean the Lord, talks constantly on what he desires from us. But then also, where he says, and it's our reasonable service of worship. And we were discussing here um, at a previous day um, how is that the minimal thing that you can do? It should be the minimal thing that we can do is be obedient to the Lord. Right? We, if our we use the example of you know, if children or anybody, as we were kids or whatever the case is, we're supposed to put their laundry away and instead of throwing it in the, the hamper or laundry basket, that it was next to it. And we're like, oh, it's good enough. It isn't good enough. Why couldn't it make it inside the, right? Is that, as a parent, we're like, it's, that's the minimal thing you can do is what I asked. Well, what the Lord asked of us is to be obedient, to put our faith into action. Only he instructs us to do everything that we're to say and to do, and the manner in which we're to do it, or the how we're to do it. It's just obedience to him. What else does anyone have to share? What questions does anyone have? Well, I have one more thought on verses 18, um, kind of going back to something someone else said about um, when God wasn't upset with Daniel for being weak and, you know, because his, his flesh wasn't physically able to handle what was going on and how God didn't condemn him. And I just wanted to, to bring this to our attention. You know, when, when we have our interactions with God, and, you know, we bring something before him, and he's like, well, that's okay, I can, I can deal with that. 
I want to encourage us as believers to now take God's word on it. You know, oh. Daniel didn't continue to debate and go, well, no, no, really, I'm weak. You just don't see me. Don't you look how my arm is hanging down there? And I just fell down and I hit my whole face. You know, they didn't, he didn't start explaining <laughs> what was wrong and why he couldn't accept what had been said to him from the Lord. You know, yes, it was a ministering spirit speaking and conveying what God had delivered in a message, but he still had to receive that. Amen. And that's no different for us. You know, when we confess our sin, when God sends the answer to a petition that we have before him, it's our job to say, yes, God, let it be so. Yes and amen, right? It's our job to go, okay, I understand what you're saying and I accept what you're saying. I agree to align with you in it. And I take that as a final word, not debating our our perspective of it with God, not going, but no, no, you just don't understand, Lord. Here, this is a, still a problem when God has said, I've, I've done away with it. Okay? So I just, you know, I want to encourage us to go ahead when God says, all right, you're strong, be strong. Yes, be strong. It, like all is well, it's okay to go, okay, God, I take your perspective on it because you know. And I'll, now Daniel had to take that strength. He had to accept the strength that was imparted to him and then use that and move forward. Right? He had to choose to carry out this process. And that hasn't changed for us today as believers. We still have to accept and receive what God, whatever it is that God says to us, even if it comes in the terms of, <clears throat> excuse me, these are the plans that I have for you. This is what's going to happen. You know, when Daniel understood that it was going to be a far time off, the things that were happening to his people, he didn't fight God. He uh -huh. said, okay, Lord, what's next? You know, like, Come into alignment with the plan that the Lord had. That's right. So, you know, keep that in your heart. When, when God gives you instruction, when he gives you um, counsel, when he gives you a plan, lays out to you, gives you, reveals something to you, gives you information, accept him. doesn't mean you can't let him know what's on, it, on your heart, but when he answers, when he speaks, that should settle it on the inside of us, and we should instantly go, okay, God, what you say is right. And I, I accept what you're saying to me. I, I receive that. Any questions on any of that? No. no. Okay. Well, let's pause there for today. And um, with that, can I get a volunteer to lead us in prayer? I will. All right, sir. Go for it. Lord, we just thank you for your miracles that you have continued to work around this line. Just thank you for them the responsibilities that you have put in our lives so that way we can show you that we truly are applying what you have told us to do, Lord, and that we can handle more, Lord. And, Lord, I just thank you for being in our midst, Lord, and being in our Bible studies and showing us your wisdom and giving us knowledge and understanding on how to go about our daily lives, Lord, and how to do everything so that way we can be a light in the darkness, Lord, and show people you, not us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Dean, brother, we are thankful, Lord, that you were able to join us and um, share the insight that the Holy Spirit's given you. So thank you, brother. And for everybody else that's listening, we love you. We are keeping you lifted up in prayer continuously. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.